Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 194, and today we'll be talking about Rebecca Sugar's fifth Adventure Time episode, Susan Strong. I'm GC13. And I'm David, coming at you with extra high quality audio because this is our second recording, so hopefully you hear me crystal clear this time. <laughs> Crossing our fingers. Uh, So this is the episode, we didn't know it at the time, but Susan Strong would become quite the legend in Adventure Time, and she starts out in what I don't think she would be ashamed to say is quite humble beginnings. Yeah, whenever I think back to this episode, or to Susan Strong's introduction, I always end up thinking of the much more, I don't know about epic story, but the much more memorable story of them going underground and actually going down the river and finding the human city. I kind of forgot that this one existed, but it's cool how restrained sort of they are with introducing Susan and just giving us the most basic points. This is definitely where Rebecca starts flexing her lore muscles and practicing that sort of ability on Adventure Time. Yeah, if it weren't for the Marshmallow Kids on fire, I'm not sure how well I would remember this episode either, but oh boy, is that a memorable scene. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely, uh, you know, set it up with Finn eating the sort of burnt ashes before at the <laughs> fire. Yes, they in the commentary track, they specifically mentioned that that was a callback, the, him liking the burnt-to-a-crisp marshmallow and then eating the burned flesh of the marshmallow kids that they handed him after having a very good time <laughs> accidentally being set on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's like, has that happened before? Did they just know to shed it? Who's lighting these poor children on fire? I mean, they're marshmallows. It's, it's just what happens to their skin. Yeah. You know, some people breathe through it. Other people peel it off when it gets too crispy. <laughs> and also, as I've recently learned from a brilliant podcaster named GC13, uh, the uh, commentary from the DVDs also said that they only were allowed to show the kids on fire if they were smiling and left unharmed. But I think, you know, that's fine and it definitely is hilarious. But Adventure Time has also shown that they could definitely have gone darker. And I would have oh, laughed boy. seeing those kids just sort of after seeing them run towards the humans, maybe just somewhere off in the distance. There was just a pile of marshmallow mush, but I'm glad they made it out okay. That's good. You know, good job, censors. Yeah, like uh, like they say in the commentary track, they can do awful, awful things to people as long as they're smiling. <laughs> as long as they like it. Thank uh, you, censors. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Candy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, so out of all the Halloween costumes, they were definitely all, all cute. There was no, uh, none of none of the sexy Halloween outfits out there. Uh, I'm with, I'm with Finn and Jake. I just, I just want to give them all candy. Yes, they're very sweet. Definitely not scary or anything else. Not, not mm. a totally great plan. Despite Bubblegum's brilliance, they always seem to, the writers seem to love the idea that the Candy Kingdom is totally defenseless and that no one can ever come up with a good idea as to how they should arm themselves. The banana guards have always been unintelligibly stupid. And how did Princess Bubblegum ever think that they were a good idea? Then they bring in a character to make them competent and then they get rid of him as soon as they can. Right. But they feel bad about getting rid of him, so they bring him back, but make sure he's not captain of the guard anymore. (laughs) Yes, in one of Adventure Time's many, well, we killed him, but then, you know, (laughs) no one can really die on this show. And Peppermint Butler didn't even have to get involved. Yeah, the only one that can't be eaten. 
I do like that uh, Finn's sort of the way that he decides whether or not you can eat something is whether the talking thing has aspirations or not. That's his qualifying factor for yeah. consuming sentient beings. And uh, Peppermint Butler, he definitely got aspirations. Aspirations to power. <laughs> you know, of all the storylines I wish that I could have seen gone farther, I think Peppermint Butler sort of backed off of his evil plans. It's something that they oh, enjoyed yeah. laughing about earlier, but like he never ended up like stabbing Princess Bubblegum in the back or taking over Hunts and Abadir's realm or anything. Um, but I feel like that's yeah. really where, what he wanted. So, oh, well, you know. Uh, I don't know what Peppermint Butler wanted, but they. Yeah, I, I'm kind of kind of sad that that fell off. Yeah. Obviously, the finale will uh, include that and all the other 50 storylines that people want to see conclusions to. It'll be incredible. Probably an epic crossover with Steven Universe, too. Oh, yeah. And regular show, uh, probably. Obviously. And Gravity Falls. I think that one's going to happen as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that might be a bridge too far. (laughs) Turns out that Bill Cipher was Peppermint Butler after enacting his master plan. Yeah, I mean, it's all the same universe, obviously. We can see almost every background detail. It's sort of like, you know, uh, clearly the diamonds were referenced on the fire hydrant in Gravity Falls, you know, in the diamond shape. You know, it wasn't just the typical safety warning seen on all uh, fire extinguishers, not hydrants, fire extinguisher. There's obviously clear references everywhere. Um, Back to to Susan Strong. (laughs) Back to Uh, Susan. So Pendleton Ward, according to commentary... Actually based Susan Strong after an MMO he used to play where all the characters were really buff females with gigantic swords. And he actually sings part of a song that he claims was the inspiration for the song that Finn would eventually sing to Susan. Although mostly, uh, it starts out really gory and then he says he can't sing the rest of the song. Yeah, unlike when Rebecca couldn't sing part of the Steven Universe theme song because of spoilers. <laughs> A little different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's cool that he's brought that kind of inspiration in. I love it whenever they talk about uh, their video game inspirations or different things, bringing it in. I mean, can you believe that according to the, the commentary, the first draft of like, the script they were handed said, oh yeah, they take the human tribe up into the Candy Kingdom. And it's like, they're like, oh, that's so many people. How are we going to do that? And so they they narrowed it down to one. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's cool. Also, the song reminds me of Rebecca Sugar talking about uh, writing the Island Adventure song when Stevens, you know, sings for Lars and Sadie. And it it used to have a lot more sort of suggestive content in it, (laughs) I think, about Lars and Sadie that they had to pull back on, which uh, I just think that's so funny. Lars and Sadie get suggestive enough. They don't need any help. No. So I I think that's great. Just those parallels of writing songs. And then, well, think about the children. <laughs> so, I mean, who who with Susan Strong hasn't, you know, just encountered somebody's first experience with grass being a fearful one? I mean, that's that's just true to life. Babies do not like grass. I 100% relate hated grass as a kid kids like running in sprinklers and I'm like that stuff is itchy nasty you running in the sprinkler you're getting grass all over your legs this is horrible you know I don't think I've ever felt closer to a human mutant in my life although Susan is perhaps not as Finn 
somehow still thinks by the end of the episode, only because I guess he had a connection with her and that her hood didn't explicitly come off. I do think that this episode, although it tries to leave that one as a mystery, it doesn't like if I was if Finn hadn't said that, I would have been like, oh, she's a fish lady. But yeah, um, obviously. But the idea that he holds on to it is is cool, says a lot about him and how excited he was about the humans and just has to keep hoping. Yeah, that disappointment he has at the end is kind of one of the I, I just love this being the start of one of the many storylines that that Rebecca and others wanted to inject into Adventure Time and giving it a little more heart and a little more mystery. It, it's cool. Just that little moment at the end when he saying to Jake, like, oh, I guess they are just a pack of wild animals, which is also a callback to earlier in the episode when I think Jake calls them a bunch of wild animals. So it's cool. It's all very cool. Yep. So we have the double callback, the marshmallow callback, the animals callback. Heck, we actually had the shadow puppets or callback. Yeah, because she sees her shadow in the beginning and scared and then... uh and she realizes that shadows can't hurt you. Right. Now, I don't know how they never saw shadows underground because pretty sure they have light sources as I don't know if we saw in this episode. We definitely saw it in the Maybe they just don't have episode. strong directed light sources. I guess. I think, if anything, a flame in a cave is what tells you everything about shadows. I think we had a whole allegory yeah. about people's shadows being cast in a cave that is very famous. But, you know, but they didn't know it was shadows. So perhaps perhaps the humans didn't know it was a shadow either. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, who knows? Really, who knows? Yeah. And speaking of language, too, uh, I do like that. Compared to the gems just being inexplicably able to speak English while having their own completely separate written language, the the humans here do have the intentional choice of having some diverged language that is totally different, and that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, and of course for clarity, they said they they would write down what she was actually saying or the English translation of what she was actually saying, then they would turn it into human gibberish that they say must have been very interesting to voice act. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed when I uh, heard Susan give those lines like the actor. She must have had the English translation next door to something or been given some kind of direction so that she knew how to say those lines as if she was actually saying the real thing. That's really cool. That that's a tough thing for any actor. And of course, just going to say uh, Susan Strong's voice actress, also the Dahlia's voice actress. Yes, super cool. I love the carryovers they have in some of the voice actors like Jermaine always gets me being <laughs> Greg I'm just like now when I go back and see Jermaine I can only hear Greg it's so Greg's voice now I can't imagine any other character but of course Jermaine was first it's just funny to me how now that character's transformed and I'm just like that's not Jermaine's voice that's literally just Greg that's like Tom Sharpling is only Greg to me it's it's still very disorienting whenever I hear Carol on OKKO Oh yeah, and Barb on Steven Universe because she's I so like to distinct think of them both on as the same character. I mean, they are <laughs> on Steven Universe though. She's so much less of a character than on OKKO, OK and just so much well, more. Carol brash. is much more central. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I I don't know who I think of more now. I guess I've watched so much OKKO OK and seen so much more Carol that that's who that voice is to me. But she's definitely flexible. Obviously, the Susan Strong actress is totally able to. I wouldn't have even known if I hadn't looked it up that those were the same person, which voice actors love to hear that. So, oh, yeah, cool. like 
I can't sing his praises enough. Mark Hamill does mm-hmm. several different villains. And you might never know. Sticky Beard, Fire Lord Ozai, The Joker. Yes. Ugh, there was so a good. fourth one I can't remember. Drawing a blank, but. I, you hit the big ones, Batman and Avatar for me, but yeah. So yeah, Susan, uh, Susan's voice actress definitely getting out there. You know, that's cool. I do wonder, though, if the Gumball Guardians would have been able to stop the the tribe and why they didn't even try. I, I guess they were hiding to let the citizens do their scariness, and so they never felt the need to get involved. Right. I mean, I guess one of the reasons Princess Bubblegum does these silly things is, you know, uh, they were like, well, we can't kill the humans or, or or injure them, right? Finn's like, we're not doing that. So, you know, Princess Bubblegum's like, well, this is pretty low stakes. If the candy people get eaten, I can just, you know, make some new ones. So it's kind of like, let's just have fun with it. Dress them up, try to do a little <laughs> scary sheet show. And then if that doesn't work, you know, it'll be fine. So, I I don't know. Gumball Guardians, I guess, could have scooped them up and just dumped them back in the hole. But that would have been, <laughs> would have made an 11-minute episode a three-minute episode. So, you know. Well, no. Most of the episode is taken up with Susan exploring the world. Then they could have just ended on a complete anticlimax. Like, oh no, we failed. What do we do? Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for coming. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we do have the Gumball Guardians to protect us, don't we? Yeah. It's a good thing we do, Finn. <laughs> Episode end. <laughs> but they do choose to do, you know, most of these Adventure Time episodes just ended with, like, a pun up to this point, right? Like, usually it's just, like, something where Adventure Time sort of made this famous of, like, cutting the episode off, right, as the credits happen, to where you were like, wait, were they supposed to cut off right then? Like, almost in the middle of someone finishing their oh. sentence. And, uh, but this one doesn't doesn't do that, you know? Like in Rebecca's first episode, hey, uh, where's Jake? Oh, he's been in my pocket the whole time. Pulls him out and Jake farts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Those kinds of gags are great. But here, you know, they're setting up this crazy... I cannot emphasize crazy long, so many seasons competes with anime in the length of the reveal, (laughs) you know, thing with Susan and, you know, having that moment of and Finn with the humans, too. It's kind of interesting how they wove Finn's yearning for humans with this character uh, who at first seems like she should be totally different from Finn. You know, she's huge. She lives underground for most of the time. We don't even know if she's actually a human or not. It's interesting that they chose to play the story that way instead of I don't know, literally any way else. Like, this is this is really cool. And obviously, what they did with Susan Strong later uh, is fantastic. But I'd be so interested to know what the early sessions looked like with Rebecca and others talking about setting up this character. You know, how much were they planning along? Because, you know, look at how she started Steven Universe. They they sat down and she was like, uh, just so you guys know, Rose Quartz is Pink Diamond. So just keep that in mind while you write yeah. these episodes. Um. <laughs> So who knows how far they were out on this. They worked in so many hints. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really do like they, they took from Adventure Time the same world building sensibilities where you first start off with just fun, lighthearted adventures, showing that world off, and then you get into the story stuff later. Yeah. Give the world a little bit of time to breathe. To give a little extra credit to Rebecca and the other people working on the show at the time, Pendleton Ward didn't just come up with Adventure Time being like, okay, I'm going to do what Steven Universe eventually did. We're going to play around for a few seasons and then that'll get everyone acquainted with the characters in the world and then we'll surprise them with going deep into a story like, 
he kind of set out to make a fun show, but a creative show. And when he started recruiting these people uh, and and get building this team and said, go be creative, make whatever you want. People like Rebecca wanted to make uh, and she's talked about this explicitly in interviews you know that they these are the types of things that these are the types of stories they wanted to tell they wanted they love those little pieces of lore when they experience them in video games or comic books you know this is the type of stuff they wanted to see as a kid and i just think that's so fascinating that adventure time allowed them to do that in a show that up to you know this point had just mostly been you know just complete the epitome of the word random right like just off the wall goofiness the point is uh, that you know the show was just completely the epitome of random and then got to this point of having that complete freedom and that inspired rebecca to take that with her to steven universe um it's really interesting how much pressure or not, uh, that that and constraint that put on her when she said well now i'm gonna make a show that i know i want to make in advance with all these interwived storylines but i still want to give the storyboarders that level of creativity you know that started here with episodes like susan strong it's really yeah really neat and i think with adventure time it, the evolution from random to some storylines did them good although again as a i'm always a fan of the random stuff i, I do like my storyline but it doesn't have to be heavy storyline like to take an example from Craig of the Creek, uh, I, I just want minor continuity nods. I, you don't have to have set up some huge epic story arc about some event striking the creek. Just, you know, recognitions that episodes have happened before. Like with the Witches of the Creek, maybe maybe that Empress of the Swords comes back into play later. Just continuity yeah. nods. Well, I think even in some way, OKKO OK is sort of the mixture of those worlds too, where it's I, there are still those overarching things, but... It's not at the level of Steven Universe or Adventure Time at all. And it's not at the complete episodic, you know, nature of Craig of the Creek. I, I do like the shows like that, though. And of course, both Craig of the Creek and OKKO OK are people came from the showrunners or from this Steven Universe Adventure Time lineage as well. It's just awesome to see them continuing to spin this take of what does the modern cartoon look like as far as carrying over these pieces where we're not just doing the Hanna-Barbera, Scooby-Doo, every episode's its own thing, the characters never change. It's awesome that they all have their own take on that. Yeah, and I mean, Ian Jones Cordy was actually working on Adventure Time as a storyboard revisionist by this point, although unfortunately he had no juicy gossip about working with Ms. Sugar to give since they were working. You know, she was a storyboarder, he was a storyboard revisionist. <laughs> Not the closest collaboration. No. But man, to hear the talks they might have had about storylines like this, uh, it would have been great to have a mic running in the, the back rooms of those Adventure Time <laughs> meetings. They should have had their own Steven recording uh, footage for their making of documentary. I swear, they better come out with something amazing like that. That would be so cool. I mean, heck... Rebecca knows it's important. Steven was filming the starting <laughs> of Sadie's band, like the Sadie Killers. He knew that you got to start early. You got to start filming. These are the early days. Yeah, but did you have anything else you wanted to say about Susan Strong, the episode or the character? No, I do. I do love this take on another sort of character from Rebecca I just think I don't know it's it's super cool how Susan <laughs> starts off so simple and the, and then builds so far 
just i i wish that we could see more like rebecca pump out on your tumblr any more images and stuff you have on developing these things because i don't know it's super interesting to me and i'm sure it's really interesting to lots of other people too and rebecca could definitely use more content on her tumblr so uh just like we're going back and looking back on these episodes you know i'd love to know more about developing these things because this is where she was you know sharpening her blade to work on work on steven universe Super cool. Mm-hmm. Now she got it honed to a fine edge. Absolutely. But that's us uh, done talking about Susan Straw. Until next week, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.